Good afternoon, everybody. Eddie Webb. We are here at the New Media Lab podcast series. And today our guest is Victoria Kubaba, all the way from Russia. Hi. Victoria has been with us here in Mesa Community College for five years. She is a project manager. Her uh, expertise and degrees are in project management. She has uh, worked through a lot of projects here at Mesa Community College, and we want to talk to our faculty and staff about the importance of working with folks who are experts in uh, project management. I've worked a, a number of projects through the college in the years that I've been here, and uh, the support and the knowledge and the ability to to organize a project, to be accountable for a project, to keep a project inside of a time frame has been absolutely critical. We want to welcome Victoria Kubaba today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the great introduction, and uh, I'm really thankful to be here today. So uh, recently, you had a publication in the New Media Lab uh, Press, and uh there's an excellent piece that you wrote about, uh, you started off with the question, why community college during times of COVID, and uh, moved into this uh, notion of the cultural sensitivity around uh, technology, the workforce, and education. You want to talk a little bit about your publication? Sure, yes. And uh, it was a great pleasure to be able to share my thoughts and uh, opinion on uh, this current situation. Uh, I would say, I would start with that, that uh, we've been um, in a state of shock, I guess, not just at the community college, but it is a nation. Uh, as a community college, we were wondering, okay, what to do and how to move to the next level and how we go into um, still help our students and provide them the education they uh, came here for. So as, um, as I mentioned in my uh, article that the um, COVID uh, pandemic became pretty much an accelerator to many good things. Even yeah. though we were in the state of uh, unknown, but uh, as the the whole situation unfolded, we found out there's actually a lot of things that were happening in the background, as, uh, such as uh, uh, introducing more technology in our daily life. But uh, with the pandemic, we were able to uh, accelerate it and jump on it very quickly. So we have uh, our uh, WebEx meetings daily now, but uh, we always had WebEx available to us. And uh, I'm coming from IT department, so I know it's been around for quite some time. But uh, for some reason, we were hesitant to introduce it to larger groups here at the college. Yeah, I think uh, for me, that's been one of the most exciting, um, if, if you can say that. Uh, I mean, I know we're in a very, in many ways, a tragic situation with the loss of life in our country. I think uh, as of date, I know at least five people from our Indian community who have passed away as a result of COVID. And I know other people who have, uh, I had a cousin that that got COVID and was, you know, five days and back to work. And I have others yeah. that I know that have suffered. And 
Uh, so we want to always uh, acknowledge that we uh, that this pandemic has uh, impacted lives, but at the same time, it has jumped started us three to five years from where I think the natural yeah. progression to incorporate technology and media into instruction as well into uh, administration and the abilities to communicate with one another. Here in the New Media Lab, we were, we were way ahead in doing these technologies. Mm-hmm. And it's been actually rewarding to see folks by mandate have to jump in the pool right have right, to get absolutely. wet absolutely <laughs> it's almost like there's no choice there is no <laughs> choice and then when this is all over it's exciting to think about the skill set that people are going to have and how what they're going to do with those you know 2 years from now year and a half from now i think it's going to uh allow people to really rethink uh how we teach in many ways but i will tell you that uh the students that i that I work with still want to be on campus. They want to have a college experience, you know. They want to be with other humans and and interact. And there's more a holistic uh, approach to education than just, you know, an efficient way to distribute information, right? It's just that, right. that part of it. Uh, I know that was one of the very first things that the mistake I had made having taught for so many years face-to-face and then, uh, going online was early on. I had the first the first semester I had tried to recreate the face to face experience online, and and that was a mistake. There are two very different ways of teaching and interacting, and with your all, with the help of uh, you know your office, uh, it was just phenomenal to have the support not only there in the CTL and and others who stepped up and really took leadership in showing people, you know, all the possibilities and choices. Uh, WebEx, Mm -hmm. I know that you all have mandates and legal uh, framework that you need to uh, make sure, right, that we follow for all all kinds of legal reasons that are out of my, uh, completely out of my Mm -hmm. scope, you know. I prefer the Google Meet uh, app. I, I just... I mean, probably it's because it was the first one that I was already always using, you know? Right. Something that was more, uh, seems more available, and I guess it was there before. Yeah, and the simplicity of it. I can get done what I, I mean, to me, it's just a tool. Yeah. So I can get done what I need to get done. But inside of the bigger audiences, and I really love that work board inside of WebEx where people can get on the whiteboard and, Right, you can do uh, notes and annotate. Yeah, what is that? What is that called? What technology is that? Uh, I think they just call like a whiteboard. So uh, that's pretty simple name. So uh, you can use it in a classroom or for any meetings where you're actually pretty much like writing on your on the whiteboard. Yeah, and by virtually. And it's interactive. Yes. Right? So yeah. you can share access to it with uh, participants and. Uh, um, as a presenter, you can control uh, certain items. Um, if you want them just be um, the audience viewing that, or you can create uh, different uh, side groups. 
So say if yeah. you would like to have a um, few people collaborate together, then come back to the main meetings. This is also valuable. Yeah, and those take a minute to get comfortable with. It, 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 for the, I, it's the, those are models that corporations have been using for quite some time, right? Yes. Uh, to run large businesses and, and, and all that. But when you're a, a faculty person with, you know, 24 students, you want to keep the technological noise down as much as possible, right? And not get yourself in a situation where you're making mistakes. You know, I mean, that's the comfortability right. part that faculty need to get. Well, I guess there's a, uh, what I was also uh, highlighting in my article that, um, uh, bringing all the classes online and for faculty communicating with students online, it gives the opportunity for them to teach your, our students another skill, how to be successful in the corporate world. As mm -hmm. you mentioned, uh, they're already using those tools, and some of them uh, live and work in different states where their main office can be in completely different uh, state, uh, region, country, and uh, by providing this uh, classroom, virtual classroom experience, they can actually adapt better. And this is like an indirect uh, skill we're giving to them right now. Uh, I'm saying maybe moving forward, it's not ideal to have everything virtual, but uh, this is something that we're incorporating and we're almost uh, changing the culture of community college and culture of our students and bringing them to the speed, uh, uh, the speed that the world is moving. Because we're trying to educate them and give them all the tools and uh, maybe even mindset to be successful in this world because we are, uh, all of us are teachers to them. And um, uh, I would say coming from a different perspective, since I'm not a faculty, I'm working on the administration side, and sometimes I don't have to interact with students a lot. Right. Um, but personally, I feel like this is, can be, it would be really beneficial to me as a student if I get, the, uh, get to experience that. Yeah, well, I agree. We, uh, it, like I said, I think it jump-started us three to five years of where we would have naturally been on track because of the way we operate. Right. But it is, it's been exciting, and I agree, you know, the uh, students have the potential to benefit. Of course, as faculty, we can never make assumptions that people have laptops, internet. Of course. Right? So it also, in, with our demographic here in, uh, in Mesa, you know, it also presents financial uh, and access challenges for us to be mindful of. But again, this is a good thing for us to expand, right? Absolutely. And also, as I mentioned in my article, so we have a quite uh, wide access to different uh, cultural uh, diversity, I would say, and cultural, cultural sensitivity as far as we have uh, all the, um, our students come from different backgrounds, different, uh, I guess, uh, economical, economical situations, so different cultures. So here in the classroom, you bring all these diverse people like from uh, different, completely different environments, right. and you make them collaborate in the virtual world. Where else they're going to get such an experience? Because you can have someone who is very hands-on and they learn very fast, someone who doesn't know how to use technology. So all together, they're going through those challenges. 
And maybe I sound a little optimistic, but this is a slow process, but they're learning and right. they're uh, learning to be patient with each other as well because uh, they're realizing there are a lot of people who are maybe not capable of uh, catching and understanding something right away. So this is a good example of uh, cultural sensitivity. Uh, I feel like we uh, used to experience that in the classroom, but experiencing it virtually it adds a, uh, or brings it to a totally different level. Right, yeah. And all of these things are... You know, challenges that as scholars and as uh, professionals, we should embrace and be, you know, challenged by it to meet meet the challenge, you know. Right. For us, uh, in, in, when you're in the classroom, you're always thinking about the andragogy, the pedagogy, the, uh, the cultural sensitivity, you know. Uh, I have been tested over the years to be a global learner, right? Yeah. So... Uh, global learners in, in, in social situations like that tend to be quiet, tend to think, want to think things through before they speak. Uh, I know some people will find that hard to believe, but it, it's, uh, uh, you know, and so I've noticed even in my classes, I've had to make provision uh, and some ground rules because I know there are students in my classroom who are extremely dedicated to their learning they're doing amazing projects, but they're not going to speak up in a crowd, especially online, who they have no idea who's recording the class, who's not recording the class. I had to switch my uh, link a couple of times because we were getting hacked by guys that were coming in there and just speaking, you know, a lot of profanity. And it was it was not very pleasant. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Not to get too far off track, but these are realities that faculty, you know, need to be mindful of, you know, okay. that not everybody, I mean, that's, this is one of the reasons I really liked your article was that you took time to talk about cultural sensitivity, right? And for me, these are the realities of what that means is, uh, you know, to make sure we, we can reach and communicate at all capacities of our students, right? Well, absolutely. Also, coming from a totally different country, my background is, as you mentioned at the beginning, I grew up in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, and maybe like when I was student at um, one of the community colleges, so I took some classes at um, uh, Paradise Valley College. Uh, I was actually shy to speak up because uh, I have an accent and uh, I was really... I would say concerned that I'm going to sound different mm. and uh, I had things to say, but I would be just quiet because I feel like I'm not fitting in. I sound different. Yeah. And uh, I totally understand what you're saying that some people may be very uh, smart and they have a lot to bring to the table and maybe they can write like great papers, but in this, uh, face-to-face -face environment or let's say like virtual face-to-face -face environment they kind of uh, just fade so as a faculty member it's probably really difficult sometimes to bring it to to kind of like uh, bring to the energy to the same level for all yeah I think it just it just stretches uh, faculty a little more you know to be involved I think it's a good thing because it makes me uh, as I have a you know, I've been doing this a minute, 
and you know yes. I can read a class pretty quick and I know how I've learned how uh, in the classroom to grab that energy and how to uh, you know well let me ask you that so how do you do it now in the virtual environment because now since you don't see their faces what is a good way to uh, grasp the kind of like the environment and the mood of the class well I think it's important to name it And so as the teacher, I want to do, uh, as they say, the heavy lifting at the beginning in, in my syllabi to lay down some ground rules and uh, to be open and transparent about how different people react in these situations. So give permission to people to be quiet when they need to be. But also, I've noticed I'm spending more time one-on-one -on -one with my students online, you know, mm -hmm. helping them because... They, that's what their biggest fear is, is that they don't want to ask a question that, you know. Right, right. And as always, if one student has that question, two students, have, you know. Absolutely. And uh, they would be surprised. Yeah. I had that happen to me. I ask a question and then someone like, wow, I also, I was thinking yeah. to ask that, but I didn't feel confident or comfortable. Yeah. There's another thing with that, though, is that uh, I've noticed Uh, students are not participating at the level they should be. They're not probably not ready to be in college yet. It's a little more everybody kind of sees that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. which is can work both ways, I guess, for the student. Uh, but that's what I do. I'm just uh, 100% transparent. You know, I just talk. I share my story. You know, I'm a global learner. I know what it's like when I get around... 10 or more people, I'll get real quiet. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot for me to then speak in those circles. It's also, you know, people have cultural backgrounds of respect. Yeah. Uh, when to talk, things like that. Um, hey, coming from uh, Russia, how old were you when you came here? Uh, well, first time when I visited, I was 20. Okay. And uh, I moved uh, permanently when I was 22. Okay. So what kind of cultural uh, experience did you experience? Well, for, I guess first for me was um, that even though I was 20 years old, I was already in college uh, in, in university in Russia. Hmm. So when I came here, um, I felt like I have to kind of rewind a little bit or go back. So instead of like 20, I felt like I'm 15 because I had to learn a lot of new things. So basically how to find a certain information, where to go, like even like uh, find a doctor I need to go to, like uh, find the library. What do I want to do here? What kind of career I want to have? And uh, so technically it was a lot of just kind of like navigating my way through because things were totally different from, from where I was coming from, from Russian, Russian culture. Did you already have a good uh, grasp on the English language? Did you grow up speaking um, English? No, actually I didn't speak any English until probably I was like 18. So uh -huh. I took some classes before that and mainly um, I just kind of felt cold to speak English I don't know so I, I, I my major is linguistics and languages so I oh. I actually went to university in St. Petersburg Russia I was um uh, actually it wasn't dedicated to languages so it was more like economics law and the translation interpretation in that area 
but what happened like language was also a very challenging part for me so when the first time I came to United States I stayed upstate New York uh, where I was working with uh, uh, children and this is how I actually started practicing and speaking the language I for me it was very difficult to kind of grasp it right away because like while you're learning you're still thinking in in Russian language and you're kind right. of translating to yourself uh, but kind of like fast forward from that experience when I moved here permanently um, I would say community colleges really helped me to uh, find my way so uh, I started taking English as a second language classes here uh, at, with Rio Salado. And uh, also I got my first job as a testing technician for Rio Salado lab, so part-time. And kind of taking classes and working there, being more exposed to American culture and um, just learning my way around and um, I felt like it's a, a great organization where I can find myself. So um, and I started pursuing other opportunities. And um, I guess that's uh, my story in a nutshell. It sounds like a pretty exciting journey. To, uh, uh, Keegan here is from upstate New York. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> nice. What, what, <laughs> ta- what town are you from, Keegan? Ticonderoga. Do you know where that is? Um, well, I was by Buffalo, like oh. Penyon, small city, Rochester, and the camp was by Finger Lakes, and we were on uh, Scenic Lake. And they actually said that this is the most deepest, one of the deepest lake in the U.S., and they're testing submarines there, so it must be really deep. Wow. The na- uh, I mean, forest and, like, nature was so beautiful. It was yeah. really amazing. Um so summer, summer is nice, but then it gets really cold. Yeah, that's what Keegan, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's shown us all drone footage. He's, it's beautiful, beautiful. A lot of houses on the water. Yes, it was like very cool. It was actually an interesting experience to see people uh, jumping on the boat to get around. So like they go to the store riding a boat, they go to visit friends riding a boat. So totally different, I guess, lifestyle. So in your article, well, you talk about the excitement of learning other cultures and uh, traveling a lot around foreign countries. What's your favorite country? Gosh, wow. Um, Well, I would say for different reasons. So for uh, architecture, I really like Italy. So I would say Milan and Rome and Venice, uh, uh, Florence. So those are the cities that are really, uh, I was really fascinated by the culture. And for uh, the nature, it was Australia because uh-huh. it's so different. It's almost like you're in a totally different world. Like even trees look different and they have so many beautiful birds and uh, other animals, like nothing like here. Well, all of this must make you a very a wealth of knowledge here, you know, as a, as a manager, you know, to be able to have these experiences i've i've got i used to work in italy and uh, nice. travel around uh, quite a bit around the around the planet and uh, you're absolutely right could never find a favorite place it was always well you know for this i like you know? right but uh i found this place uh, in the last few years called yellowstone park right here in the good oh, old united states yes I love spending time uh, up there in Jackson, and I've done a lot of wildlife photography up there. And 
all of that I bring back into the classroom. I used to, when we first started with new media lab work, I used to just take cameras and go out and get a whole bunch of footage and B-roll and then bring it back and let students make a story, right, to tell a story from it. So I see, uh, but I saw in your article that you, you took time to write about that, about traveling and your experiences. What do you think the biggest change uh, we, that we need to adjust after COVID in the classroom? I would say there is no, I would, um, my belief, my personal belief, I don't think we will get to the point completely after COVID because this is something that will be uh, engraved in our culture and our DNA moving forward. This is something that we probably have to live with. Uh, I don't think that everything will go away soon. So we may be uh, eased on certain things, like uh, maybe a certain social distancing or mask requirements will uh, ease like in two, three years or something like that, unfortunately or fortunately, because uh, um, as we know, there are no real treatment for that right now. And um, so I would say community college probably will be really successful in the environment where maybe 50 to 60% of it is still uh, in person or maybe 50, 50, uh, 15%, 50 online. Uh, because um, I noticed also that I've been helping with the computer lab here on campus, which is a uh, building B40 and open for all the students who need access to uh, internet or a simple computer. So students can have virtual uh, tutoring meetings with their instructor and I feel like we'll save so much time uh, to instructors and students because students won't need to travel to get to campus or a certain mm -hmm. location to meet with a tutor. They can just schedule like 30 short meeting, uh, 30 minutes online and discuss all the questions they need to ask. I feel like uh, this uh, this is, will be, I would say, post-COVID or maybe COVID in kind of like influx of change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, distance learning will become a permanent fixture of any sort of learning endeavor. And uh, the people that master that the most, I think, will... will uh, really benefit society and education as a whole. Everybody, uh, Eddie Webb, we are here in the New Media Lab talking with Project Manager Victoria, and we'll be right back. Royalty-free audio, Grinoline Dreams, by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEO-AA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. 
the Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non dash discrimination.